Algunos escuchamos música tropical. El Lexus toca música tropical. Otros preferimos música rock. No, hey, Lexus toca rock latino. Pero cuando te atreves a cambiar de ritmo... El Lexus toca música tropical. Rock latino. Oye, esto está bueno. Va siempre un paso adelante. El completamente nuevo y rediseñado Lexus RX. Vive lo extraordinario en tu concesionario Lexus. Dramatización con fines de entretenimiento. This is Life Admin Lifehacks, a podcast that gives you techniques, tips and tools to tackle your life admin more efficiently, to save your time, your money and improve your household harmony. I'm Dinah Roo Roberts, an operations manager who after this interview signed up for a new credit card immediately. And I'm Mia Northrop, a researcher and writer who has my eye on looming 50th birthday travel extravaganza and doing it on points. This episode, we interview Daniel Skibaris from Point Hacks. Hello, and welcome to Life Admin Life Hacks. So we were really curious about what travel is going to look like once this pandemic is gone. Frankly, we've been fantasizing about holidays <laughs> and planning for distant, epic travel when we can actually leave the country. Yep. And meanwhile, our points are just sitting there, idling away, slowly ramping up. And we've been thinking about the best way to use them. We reached out to Daniel from Point Hacks and he's taken us through all of the expert tips on the best way to earn points, the best way to redeem for value and credit card features that help you build your balance fastest. If you've been dreaming like we have about international business class flights, listen up. Daniel Skibaris is media spokesperson and frequent flyer expert at Pointax, one of Australia's biggest online communities of airline rewards enthusiasts. He joined Pointax in January 2016 and specialises in the area of credit cards, with a background in finance for more than a decade. Daniel is an avid traveller and averages around 500,000 points. Is that per year? Yeah, on average, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. And it's accumulated through his 10 active airline rewards programs. We are in safe hands today. He takes three to eight premium award flights annually through his savvy approach to point earnings. And I can appreciate the irony that we're recording this in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic when nobody is really going anywhere glamorous. Borders change, you know, open close on a daily basis and the international border is still not open properly. But listeners, we're all going to be able to get our programs and systems optimised so that when that time comes, we can all jet off in our free seats or our business class upgrades. Daniel, thanks so much for coming on the show today. No worries. Thank you. Glad glad to be here. I thought we might kick us off with thinking about not everyone being sold on the idea of joining frequent flyer programs. So what do you think are the biggest benefits? Yeah, look, there's the benefits are really that you can experience a lot of adventures, I guess, that you otherwise wouldn't either normally be able to afford or, or be willing to afford. So, so for example, you can redeem points for things such as, you know, a business class flight or a first class flight, for example, things that are usually out of the price point or price range of, of most people. There's also a lot of handy practical uses for points as well. Two of the ones that I'm thinking of is when you're flying to those destinations that don't have much competition, for example. So that's a lot of, like a lot of your viewers may be in regional centres or, or even rural 
areas as well, where there might be just one airline really servicing a route or, or, or a few, but, but not very often. And you find those airfares can be quite high. So somewhere like, let's say, Brisbane to Mount Isa, for example, or Brisbane to Mackay, etc. The use of points on those flights, for example, economy seats, can be, you know, from as little as, you know, 8,000 points. And you're going to get a very good, good value there. The other key one that really stood out, I guess, during this COVID pandemic as well, is that Mm -hmm. there's a lot of flexibility if you get a reward seat. So for a lot of people that pay cash fares, they're usually going for, you know, the e-savers and things like that. There's a lot of restrictions. When you redeem points for a seat, they can be quite flexible. So for example, I had a number of international reward seats in premium cabins that I used points on, and I obviously had to cancel them due to COVID. And I got all the points back plus all the taxes, fees and charges back. So Hmm. I didn't have to put it into credit or anything like that. So I had a lot more flexibility. That's reassuring. Yeah. The thing I love about frequent flyer programs is it benefits a number of stakeholders. Obviously, I've just spoken about members that they can experience things that they otherwise couldn't. But it also benefits the airlines because they're able to fill seats they otherwise wouldn't be able to sell. And even if you think about it even more broadly, that also has a good impact on the environment, for example, as well, because there's nothing worse for the environment than planes going up in the sky with empty seats. So it's just a really good concept. Mm. And so there are a range of programs out there. How should someone choose which loyalty program to commit to? Yeah, that's a very good question, one I get asked a lot. In Australia, if you're Australian-based predominantly, the two main ones at the moment are Qantas Frequent Flyer and Velocity Frequent Flyer. I do say at the moment because obviously Rex Airlines is beginning to enter the domestic market from 1 March and they've already indicated that there will be an individual Rex Flyer Frequent Flyer program there as well. But for the moment, especially if you're travelling domestically, it's predominantly Qantas and Virgin. And what I would say there is just take a look at where you fly and which airline services the routes that you fly with the most. Many of the routes, it's both of them. So I'll come to that in a moment. But for example, I've got my sister who lives in Canberra. My parents live on the Gold Coast. Virgin Australia is the only one that flies directly. So that's a good example of one where, you know, velocity might be the, the, the preference in that scenario. And of course, there's scenarios where it's the opposite, where it could be Qantas. So the convenience is one thing to have a look at. The other one is just how big is the program and who are the partners? So for example, if you find that you're flying internationally and you, here's another classic example on, on, in my books, is that I've got a lot of relatives in Malta, which is uh, just south of Italy in Europe. Not many airlines fly from Australia to Malta with just one stop. Emirates is one of them. So Emirates is, is in a joint venture with Qantas. So for me, given that I fly to Malta like once a year, bar COVID, of course, Qantas points are much more convenient for me than, say, Velocity in order to get to, to Malta because Velocity's partner Etihad doesn't fly to Malta, for example. Look at your individual travel patterns is probably the best advice I can give. But in Australia, we're very, very lucky. We've got two very, very good frequent fly programs. That's good to hear that they compare well internationally. And I guess because they are plugged into those global partnerships with all the other airlines, it does expand the network of, of where you can go and where you can redeem those points. So, what do most people get wrong when it comes to their frequent flyer points, Daniel? Not knowing where they can earn their points and not knowing the best way to redeem them. Look, to summarise what I've just said then, it's not knowing the value of a point, to be honest. Mm. A lot of people don't realise that there is a value attached to the point. Now, a lot of people who have been in this game for a long time, and I've been 
I've been in frequent flyer programs for over two decades. No, I can't go and sell points to you and get money from you, for example, because if I did that, I'd be breaking the terms and conditions of frequent flyer programs. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a value attached to them. And in fact, a lot of people say that they're the world's second currency. There's more frequent flyer points or miles out there in people's accounts and there is actual physical currency. Ah. So knowing what value they have is quite important. So what do I mean by value? For example, if you've had, if you've got a certain amount of, of points, you can redeem them for a number of things such as flights, and they can be long haul or short haul, or they can be in first business economy, premium economy, etc. You can redeem them for things through the online reward stores. So things such as, you know, inverted commas, toasters is always the popular one that likes to come out, but kettles also gets a good mention, but also things like uh, gift cards and, and things like that. So why do I bring that up? Because by far and away, the best value you're going to get is redeeming your points for long-haul travel in premium classes, so like business or first. You can get up to, at the very best redemption, $0.14 per point. Now, compare that to redeeming your points for a a gift card, whatever denomination, $100, $50, you're almost guaranteed to get around half a cent a point. Mm. And, of course, all the other redemptions or their other redemptions will fall somewhere in between. So, for example, domestic short haul and economy would be around 0.7, 0.8 cents. International economy is around that 1.2 cent mark. Then as you start going up to premium economy business, it starts to go above that. So business is around that 4 cent mark per point. So you can see that it can be, you know, between business and a gift card, it's, it's eight times the value. Yeah, that's really important to know. So all those people who are tempted to look at the online rewards shops and buy, you know, jaffle makers yes. and redeem them for. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. makers. I'll start using that. Yeah. yeah. My husband got AirPods, which I don't think was a very good use of points. Yeah. Look, all I'll say there, though, is I don't want to discourage anyone who might be listening there going, oh, my God, I just use my points for AirPods. <laughs> uh, because there's always value. You, you know, you got them for free. You, yeah. you know, you got those points for yeah. sort of reverting back to that first question you asked me in terms of the benefits. Another good way of looking at it is, well, what is the cost really? You're not going to get an airline ticket cheaper, for example, if you don't put your frequent flyer number in the booking. Or you're not going to get a piece of merchandise or or some groceries at Coles or Woolworths any cheaper if you don't hand out your flybys or Woolworths rewards card. So there's no real cost there. So you may, if you're earning the points, redeeming them for anything is going to get you value. But there are just some redemptions that are just more valuable than others. Yeah, that's a great way to frame it. So you've mentioned, you know, the way people might be earning points just by their everyday shopping. How do most people earn points? Is it through flights or other purchases? Okay, so... I think most people earn their points. My, my discussions with Qantas, and I know it's very similar with Velocity, is most people nowadays actually do earn their points from on-the-ground transactions rather than flying. Back in the day, early on in the in the frequent fly game in the late 90s and, and early 2000s, it was predominantly flying simply because the only ways to earn points were through flying or through credit card, and that was usually limited as well to something like diners. Um, it was very niche. Now you can earn points from 
from anything. Um, yeah. Credit card spend, partners, online partners, online retailers, and they don't have to be in Australia. You can earn velocity points, for example, at Macy's. You can earn Qantas points for just sleeping six hours without moving your phone. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I saw on the Qantas site they have a frequent walker challenge. Yeah, you so can based on your steps. In, exactly. Basically. That's, that, that's becoming an annual thing in February every month, yeah. but obviously it's on now. Uh, but even outside of February, you can earn points for, for just walking, absolutely. So there's so many ways to earn points, and so many of them now are on the ground that it should be no surprise that it's on the ground transactions. A lot of people still earn their, their points from the everyday spends, you know, through flybys, shopping at Coles or Everyday Rewards, Woolworths, from their credit card spend. But um, I'm not sure if this question is coming up, but a slight tweak to it is what is the best way or the to, to earn the points? Because that's a slightly different question. I, I suspect most people are still earning them from everyday spend, but that's a very incre- incremental, slow burn way to, to earn those points. Yeah, I would love to hear how you can sort of optimise your points earning capability. Yeah, and by far and away, the most lucrative way to earn points very quickly and if for people who are sitting there wondering at, when you were reading my intro, how does he earn? We're on the edge of our seat. Yeah. On the edge of our seat right now. <laughs> You're just building it up here. Dan. How does he earn, how does he earn 500,000 points every, every year on average? The most lucrative way is through credit card bonus offers or sign-up offers. And by far and away, these have improved tremendously over the years. So back in the day, you know, 30,000, 35,000 bonus points was a good deal. Nowadays, if it's not bordering or even past the six-figure mark, it's not a great deal. So depending on the card, of course. So those top-tier cards, the blacks, they come out with such creative names nowadays. I remember when gold card used to be the top card, but, you know, you've got the black cards, titaniums, et cetera. They give bonuses of of 100,000, 120,000 bonus points for signing up successfully on that credit card. A lot of them do require you having a minimum spend, but it's usually quite an achievable one, so something around three dollars to $4,000 in three months. So that's about just over a grand every month. And so as long as you meet that minimum spend and, and you get approved, you're going to get like 100,000 or 120,000 points in one hit. Think about how much grocery shopping you need to do to get that many points, right? So that's why it's, it's quite lucrative. We've currently got a deal on a mid-tier card, which is um, a platinum card. It's the ANZ Frequent Flyer Platinum Card. It's it's an exclusive deal that we've got running this month at Point Hacks. And mm. you can get 75,000 bonus Qantas points. There's no annual fee on the card in the first year because it's a mid-tier card a platinum card it's open to a lot of people so the income requirements is $35,000 for example so it opens it up to a lot of people so if your viewers are sitting there going oh I don't know if my income is good enough or anything like that just take a look at at the site but that's 75,000 Qantas points in one hit that's the most lucrative way by far and away to earn those points. That's a substantial bonus. And how often can you swap credit cards to take advantage of these bonus point promotions? That's a good question. The technical answer is you can do it as often as you like, but there's a very good chance that you'll get declined if you do multiple applications in a very short period of time. So what we normally recommend is is to at least leave between three to four months between applications if you are looking at, you know, trying to maximise those points. There will always be a record of an inquiry 
on your credit mm. report every time you put in a request for a new credit card. So that's why you don't want to do too many in one go because what happens then is if you apply for one credit card and then the following week or even the following day, I've heard of some people do this, apply for a different credit card, well, that second lender is going to look at you and think, hmm, is this person desperate for credit financial problems? So, or oh, he or she in financial issues. So, yeah, so that's why you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to do that. So you want to be sensible about it. How often do you swap? Look, I try and around every three to four months, but as long as the deal is right. So by that, I mean, there's many levers that these offers can take. So you can have a, you know, the higher the bonus points, yeah, that's good. But sometimes they might reduce the annual fee, for example. So it might be a $450 annual fee to get 100,000 bonus points. And then you sort of need to weigh up, is that worth it or not? Now, for me, because I always redeem most of my points for those more lucrative redemptions, a lot of the time it is. But everyone's different. So for example, um, I've got family members who would be more than happy just to fly an economy to LA to, to take the family over to Disneyland, for example. Obviously, that redemption value is going to be less than my business class to Europe. And therefore, that equation of is it worth paying $450, for example, to get bonus points might be different for them. But, but if, you're, if you're redeeming for those high value, it's usually going to always be worth it. But there's always bonus offers that usually offer discount annual fees and things like that as well. So you've just got to look at the whole entire offer before you just jump into any of them. So what are the credit card features that people should be looking out for, um, particularly if their main way of earning points is through purchases? The earn rate is always a good one if they're if they're looking at keeping the card uh, for a longer term. And look, I always suggest that everyone has some form of, of, of a base card to work off because even just practically, if you've got direct debits and things like that on it, you don't want to be changing that every five seconds. So, But the earn rate is definitely the thing to have a look at. Look, a good earn rate is usually one point per dollar. Some cards have that, such as the top tier cards uh, with ANZ and NAB, for example. Other ones are around that 0.75 to 0.5 points per dollar. And with that, it all depends on what type of card it is. So if it's a top tier card, not earning one point per dollar, it's probably not the best deal around because those top tier cards should. But uh, if it's more of that cheaper mid-tier card, then something like 0.75 points per dollar is going to be a good earn rate for you as well. And you mentioned that sometimes during promotional periods, they'll drop the annual fee, mm. but are there ways to get that annual fee reduced or waived once you're an ongoing customer? Yeah, look, it's happening less and less, to be honest, but it does still happen. And you've just got to ask, really, but the what you, but you've got to frame it correctly because there were new rules that came into play in 2019, I think it was, in July 2019, which put obligations on financial services providers where if someone simply rang up and said, look, I'd like to cancel my card if I can't get a, an annual fee reduction, then they were almost obliged to cancel the card because the person said, I want to cancel the card. <laughs> so they can't really throw offers out like they used to. But if you word it something like, oh, look, I'm my annual fee is due and I'm considering all my options and all the offers that are, that are out there, are there any offers that you could give me to stay with the card, such as an annual fee reduction or, or a waiver? Then they're able to offer you things like that because you haven't said I want to cancel the card. So <laughs> unfortunately, most consumers just really don't know that. You know, we've read the fine print on what the obligations are. So hopefully your viewers will get something out of that. But you know, it always pays to ask. Now, having said that, they're under, of course, no obligation to do that. And a lot of the time they won't, you know, just be prepared for that. But but yeah, definitely ask. 
If you don't ask, you don't get. Absolutely. That's the way it is, isn't it? So it's like giving them an ultimatum <laughs> and word, you know, word it a bit more generously. You might have a chance. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Yeah. So I think something that's happened to me in the past and certainly has happened for my kids is that points have expired. So what's the best way to keep track of expiring points and what can you do about it? So firstly, knowing what the expiration policy is, is always important. I'm not saying that to be flippant or funny. A lot of people just really don't don't know what the expiration policy is. And, and what I would say is most programs have some form of expiration policies. There are a few that don't, uh, so points never expire. But in terms of our main ones here in Australia, which is Qantas and Virgin, they both have what's known as a soft expiry policy, which is which is a generous one. So what it means is with Qantas, as long as you earn or redeem just one point every once every 18 months, the expiry resets for another 18 months. So technically, you can have a points balance, do nothing in your account for 17 months, buy a pack of chewing gum with your credit card, Qantas credit card earning card, earn three points, and your whole points balance resets for another 18 months. So that's what a, a soft expiry is all about. With Velocity, it's a soft expiry as well, and that's 24 months, so it's a bit more generous. There are some programs, though, like Singapore Airlines Chris Flyer, which have what's known as a hard expiry policy. So no matter when, whether you have activity or not, your points will expire after a set amount of time. And with Chris Flyer, it's after three years. So there'll be a rolling expirations based on when, when you earn your, your points. Really, it does pay to make sure that you are active in your accounts. But there are so many ways to earn points or redeem points nowadays. No one should be losing any points. So yeah. even with Qantas members, for example, and there's, you know, there's over 12 million members. So I'm sure some of your viewers are Qantas members. Download the Qantas Wellbeing app and start walking or put your phone down when you sleep and don't move it for six hours, which you probably won't be doing if you're sleeping anyway. And you're going to earn not much, only like around one point a week, but who cares? That's enough to keep your account active. Yeah, that's that's good advice because I did, my daughter's account, the points expired because my credit card's linked to my account. So I'm, you know, Chiching with stuff going constantly, yeah. but my kids' accounts because we hadn't flown for so long, especially last year, yeah. there hadn't been any activity for eighteen months, and she lost all her points were lost. Yeah. And I also realised that you can't just transfer points in or out. Yeah. You really have you have to actually earn or redeem. But, yeah, that's a very good point. Transfers between accounts don't classify as qualifying activity. But the other thing I'll tell your viewers is just get into a habit when you're doing, an, especially if you're, you're doing online shopping, get into a habit of going to Qantas Shopping or Velocity eStore first to see if the retailer that you're going to buy from is a partner of Qantas Shopping or Velocity eStore because you'll be able to earn points, additional points through that transaction by just logging into Qantas Shopping or Velocity eStore, putting your details in, and then that those sites will take you to the online retailer directly, but it will track your purchase and you'll be able to earn points on top of, you know, any points you might earn from your credit card, for example. And that's exactly what I did with my kids' accounts. I logged in as them for, with their frequent flyer details yeah. and bought, like, moisturiser or yeah, something. Absolutely. Uh, but at least their accounts got a little top-up and will be set now for the next 18 months or so. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many retailers. Like, I, I, I don't want to be singling out any because I've got no affiliations with them, but one that I've recently done as well is Discount Chemist Warehouse through Velocity eStore. Like, I just... 
what I do now is I just go through there, do the purchase, and then drive down to the shop half an hour later and pick it up. And there you go. I've earned some velocity points. My account's going to stay active. I've earned the points, and um, it's all great. Yeah, so many um, stores are doing such a better click and collect service and it also stops you from impulse buying, I reckon, because you've bought what you needed and you don't get sucked into buying, you know, something else as you want to the aisles. You have time to think about it before you you press confirm or confirm purchase online, don't you? So that makes me wonder, actually, does it ever make sense to buy frequent flyer points? In the Australian context of the Australian programs, I, I hazard a guess and say the answer is no. Well, it's not hazard a guess. I do know the answer. The answer is generally no, simply because the cost per point to purchase to purchase a point is around that three cent mark or even more, three point three cents, depending on how much how many points you're buying. Obviously, the more points you buy, they give you a bit of a discount on there, but it's still quite a high cost. Remembering that, as I said earlier, a, a lot of the redemptions for economy seats, for example, will not top two cents per point. If you're paying three cents per point to get to buy miles, it's not worth it. Now, when is it worth it? It can be worth it when, you, for example, you're looking to redeem this awesome long haul premium class reward seat. It's going to get you great value, but you're a thousand points short. If that's the case, do it. Because even though it might cost you a little bit more to get those thousand points, you're going to get the value from that redemption. In terms of international programs, there's there's a few programs that constantly give bonus offers for buying miles or points. And they're usually ones like United Mileage Plus, Avianca Life Miles, British Airways Avios. Depending on, you know, where you fly, they can make sense. So, for example, I'm a member of Avianca Life Miles. It's a Colombian airline. I've never flown them in my life. I never plan to, no disrespect to them, but we're in Australia for starters. We couldn't be further away. But they're a Star Alliance member. So they're one of the three global airline alliances. And there's 27, mem- oh, I think it's 26 now, actually, 26 member airlines within the Star Alliance. Some of them include Singapore Airlines, Thai Airways, Eva Air, Air New Zealand, a lot of airlines that fly to Australia. So I can use, I can buy miles cheaply through Avianca Life Miles, redeem my Avianca Life Miles on Air New Zealand or United or Eva Air or whatever, and take the trip I want. So that's brilliant. Yeah. So that's the beauty of just because an airline is in Colombia nowadays, it's not 1972. It doesn't mean that it's irrelevant to us because there's all these partnerships and alliances that are, that, that are going on. So an email course, a free email course on yeah. Point Hacks. Yeah. Tell us about what that covers. Does this kind of cover little gems like that that you just mentioned? Um, it's due for actually a rewrite. It's, it's still a very good course. It covers all the basics in terms of things such as uh, what are frequent flyer programs, what are the best ways to earn the points. One of the key ones we haven't touched on, the difference between what's known as a direct earn card and a flexible program card. So most Qantas cards are direct earn cards, meaning that if, if you take out a credit card and you say, I want to earn Qantas points, then you're locked into earning Qantas points. Whereas a lot of credit cards are part of like what's known as proprietary rewards programs like ANZ Rewards, NAB Rewards, American Express Rewards, where you can earn rewards points, but then you can choose which airline program you want to redeem those points for. And they're generally the preference because that just gives you more flexibility. So we go through that in our email course. Yes, we do go through when it makes sense to buy points or not. 
So we go through that example, either when you're just short of, of points or for a good reward or, um, yeah, buying them on an offer through a foreign frequent flyer program but then using those points with a partner or an Alliance airline member. So a good one for me, for example, is I use Avianca Life Miles to redeem on Lufthansa, which is a, a Star Alliance member, between Frankfurt and Malta. Link out to that in the show notes. Yeah, that's <laughs> like next level for me. It is next level. And that's why I always... Uh, <laughs> limit what I say on that because I could talk for another half an hour just on that. <laughs> so you obviously, you know, geek out on frequent fly, airline frequent flyer <laughs> points, Daniel, but there are other reward schemes. You know, there's hotel reward schemes, grocery ones, flybys. Which ones of these do you also think that are worthwhile? All of them simply because they're usually free to use. So as I mentioned earlier in terms of, for example, you know, you're not going to get your groceries any cheaper by not throwing out your flybys card or, or your everyday rewards card from, from your wallet you know um, you, you know you're going to get points so, so you may as well do it same with hotel reward points the only thing with hotel rewards so let me just start on the hotel ones the hotel ones they can be a bit limiting so for example to earn the points you generally have to book directly with the hotel and this is what catches a lot of people out. So they might book through, well, whatever, Trivago or, you know, all these different third-party sites. If you do that, you're going to be excluded from earning points. So just be aware of that if you go down the hotel point path. But look, a lot of the time, the booking directly through the online um, channel can be can be quite competitive as well. So, but, but do your shopping around when it comes to hotels because you might get a better deal without earning the points. With things like flybys and, and everyday rewards and that, yeah, absolutely. If you're not a member, join. It's free to join. You can earn points. If you don't like flying, you can redeem them for those, you know, those products, um, the kettle and things like that. You can redeem cash now. Oh, cash yeah, or, absolutely. So with flybys, for example, and same with everyday rewards, you, for every 2,000 points earned, you get $10 off your groceries. Now, again, I would say that's not the best value redemption because you can work out the mass there that an easy half a cent per point in value. With mm-hmm. flybys, for example, you can redeem 2,000 flybys points for 1,000 velocity points. And then, of course, if you redeem them for the you know, business class flights, et cetera, you're going to get more than half a cent per point. Okay. And with everyday no. rewards, if you choose Qantas. All right, I'm, I'm making some adjustments. There was something very... <laughs> just changing your earning preferences right now. That's good, that's good. Yeah, something that just felt simple about getting cash, but I hadn't really thought about, as you said, the value of, of the actual points. Yeah, absolutely. So with everyday rewards, the way they flybys work slightly different, differently in terms of practicality. With flybys, it's, it's more the traditional earn the points and you can manually transfer them to velocity, for example, or you can do an auto transfer nowadays. I've just started that. With everyday rewards, you select what you want to do. Do you want to earn everyday rewards points to then get the $10 off or do you want to earn Qantas points? And if you choose Qantas, then it becomes an automatic transfer the minute you get 2,000 points. But, uh, yeah, you can definitely get much better value that way. Doing it. I'm writing on the to-do list right now. So we've already talked a little bit about some of the changes around credit cards. So what other trends do you think there are in points for the future? Where do you see all these points programs going? I think they're just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. I always say that nowadays these airlines are not so much transport companies as they are loyalty and um, data data businesses because that's really what they are. That's where they get a lot of their revenue from nowadays and a lot of their profitability. So I remember people asking me, the question I got asked so often last year was, 
why would anyone pay three point something billion for Virgin when they're making losses year and year? Mm. Because of the Velocity Frequent Flyer program in the main. That's where they're going to get a lot of um, their um, value from, the new owners, down the track. So where do I see them going because of that? And it's not just for Virgin or Qantas. Uh, Frequent Flyer businesses are usually one of the most profitable, if not the profitable division of most airlines. So they're only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So the opportunities to earn points, I think, is going to keep growing. I know with some of my discussions, I won't say exactly which frequent flyer program because that will be coming out soon, or but going to be more focused on earning points from the more everyday spend type transactions. That reflects the fact that if it's uh, for more of the everyday transactions, more people will get involved, which will then make them even more profitable. I think the opportunities to earn will be will become greater and also to redeem. And technology is going to play a big part in that. So, for example, some of the limitations, for example, for a corner store to be able to offer frequent flyer points is the IT limitations, for example, to feed into the airline's frequent flyer programs to record a member who has purchased a you know, a milk from the corner store and to be allocated points. It was just all too expensive. But as new technology comes into play, such as blockchain technology and things like that, those things are going to become very cheap and easy as well for even for any retailer that wants to be become a partner of these frequent flyer programs to help them acquire new customers as well through the allocation of, of points. Wow. Excellent. I do have one last question. I'd just be so keen to understand, you've obviously got lots of different frequent flyer accounts and keeping track of all those points. I'd love to know what systems you use to to be able to remember all the passwords and keep track of what point balances you've got all over the shop. Well, I've created my own Excel spreadsheet and I don't expect everyone to do that. <laughs> but I realised I did need to do that because you do lose track. You can lose track. For me, it wasn't so much the balances. I always had a good idea as to where I was with most of my programs. It's more those expiry, especially with the hotel frequent guest programs, where, for example, if you don't stay at a hotel, for example, within a 12 or 18 month period, your points expire. So for me, it was like, well, at least I know if oh, I haven't stayed there for 11 months, next time I need to go for a business trip or a trip i'll try and stay at that branded hotel and a lot of these hotel chains for example have so many brands nowadays you're always got to find a good deal at the right price point generally so i have an excel spreadsheet that um, that i use that, that i update maybe once a week or something like that <laughs> um, and yep yeah, with expiry dates and things like that and I mean, look, I used to be an equities analyst in my past life. So I've built like little formulas in there as well that automate everything for me. But even if you don't have that skill set, you can just put them in manually and you can just see them. And, and you know, there'll be a trigger there for you to think, okay, well, these points are expiring or or this is how many points I've got in this account. Or And it can be good because sometimes you do forget, especially if you're inactive in one of the accounts for quite a while. I'm a bit of an Excel freak myself, Daniel, so maybe we can geek out offline about our Excel spreadsheets. It's a lot of fun fun seeing those balances grow, I've got to say. (laughs) (laughs) People who have been sitting on the fence and kind of ambivalent about frequent flyer programs and whether they were worthwhile, Mm. right, I think we've had enough evidence in this episode to be convinced that, yeah, it's, you know, it's something for nothing, essentially. You know, current memberships, but could be tweaking the way that they're earning 
and redeem it for more value. So this has been a really insightful conversation. Thank you. That's good. And and just one final thing I'll say is just like anything in life, you just do a bit of research on these programs. Go to the program's websites because the more you know about it, the more you, you'll get out of it. And the people who I usually find are negative towards these programs are people who just haven't really looked into it and didn't really know the best ways to use their points or, or earn them for that matter. Oh, thanks so much, Daniel. Such a pleasure chatting to you today. Mm-hmm. Where should our listeners to go if they want to dig deeper into maximising their frequent flyer points? So of course, I'm going to say point hacks. So <laughs> www.pointhacks.com.au. So it's point, a singular point, and hacks because there's that points hack as well, which is which is not us. <laughs> if you'd like to join us on our life admin journey, please head to our Facebook page, Life Admin Life Hacks, to follow us and share your thoughts on what we're doing. And feel free to post any comments or certainly post suggestions that we might be able to use. We hope to see you there. Thanks for listening. Show notes for this episode are available at lifeadminlifehacks.com. If you're a fan, please subscribe and share the love and tell a friend or review us in your podcasting app. This message comes from McCormick & Company, committed to enhancing people's health, their communities, and the planet. McCormick, healthy, sustainable, delicious. To learn more, tap the banner on your screen or visit mccormickcorporation.com slash future of flavor.